I believe today that as the prophet Zechariah had prophesied, there will come a day that there will be light in the evening. But I want to talk to you today about this parable that Jesus tells in Matthew 25. And I believe, in my opinion, it is one of the most powerful parables that is taught by our Master, Messiah, and Savior. I believe that it is so much more prophetic than we understand. There is a principle that I don't want to ever lose sight of in the parabolic form of the way that Jesus teaches, okay? And this is, gonna, this is probably not the kind of foot you want to get started off on, but it is vitally important to where we are, uh, not only in the end time, but as to where we are in the church. Jesus speaks of these ten virgins, and this is what he said. Give me a little bit of runway to get started here. But he said these ten virgins, there were five that were wise, there were five that were foolish. I'm not a mathematician. I do okay. But I, I, I can figure out round numbers like this. We got ten in total. Five of them were prepared and five of them weren't. That's the basic way of saying this. That's 50%. Jesus said that there would be two grinding at the mill. Again, I'm not good with math. But let's just walk this road together. He said two grinding at the mill. One taken. One left. He said there will be two lying in the bed. See, y'all are picking up what I'm putting down. One shall be taken and the other left. I want you to understand that Jesus is teaching. This is not Pentecostal rhetoric. This is the teaching of our Lord and Savior as he's talking about the end time. He says, be careful because he said there's going to be about 50% of people who think they're ready. That's, this is not Pastor St. Clair's idea. This is Jesus Christ's teaching. As he starts teaching about folks that are ready, he said, you can, you can just count on about half of the folks that think they're ready are not going to be ready for what's going to happen in the end time. But I'm here to proclaim to you today that there has always been a remnant and there will always be a remnant. And I don't care what the devil says. I'm not focused on the falling away in the end time. I'm preparing myself to be in the number that has made itself ready. If you believe it, shout yes. The enemy wants us to believe in spite of our greatest efforts to preach and teach faith. He wants us to believe that darkness will win in the end time. Come on now. I was sitting in a, a restaurant last week with my family. And uh, we were sitting in this little Chinese restaurant and they had a, uh, a, a devil box on the wall. And I happened to be facing the front wall where the TV was playing. And it was just a local station. I, don't, I, I think it was maybe CBS. I don't know. But I sat for however long you, it takes to eat dinner. And I watched in about a 20, 25 minute period. They had sicknesses, variants, governments collapsing, financial institutions collapsing. 
and I'm sitting here watching this wall and I'm thinking to myself, what in the world do people do when this is all they fill their brains with? And if you want to know, all you have to do is travel a little bit and go to the airports and you can tell which ones watch that all day and which ones don't give a flying flip. I'm going to tell you folks today, I'm not looking to NBC, CBS, CNN, Fox News, MSNBC for my hope. I've got hope and here's what I've come to tell somebody. There shall be light in the evening time. The Antichrist may rule for a season, but he does not win the battle and he does not win the war. The church of the living God will be shining bright. We'll be filled with the Holy Ghost and the power of God and we shall rule and reign with him. I, oh God, I feel the Holy Ghost trying to help me in here today. I'm afraid sometimes we don't, we don't like to preach stories like this because we think it's old hat. Well, it's just, it's been talked about a lot. I'm going to tell you it's not talked about enough. When Jesus is saying that 50% of the people in the story are not ready for the coming of the bridegroom. Listen, these are all ten virgins. Their purity was not in question. Their wisdom was. They were all pure, but not all ten had discernment. We need more than just enough Holy Ghost power to make it through the night. We need enough Holy Ghost that will last until the bridegroom comes. I have no clue, and I, and I can tell you this is odd. I have no, uh, th th there's, there's really no way to explain this other than the Holy Ghost. But it can be verified to you today that on, on Christmas Day yesterday, I did not, I have not even spoken to uh, Brother Jordan and Sister Kate, which is rare. I, usually, I would have wished him a Merry Christmas and I failed. Why am I telling you this? Because I had no clue what he was teaching in class this morning. And I came in here to, to preach to somebody this morning. If you weren't in class, let me just preach a little bit to you. We cannot afford to go from here to the coming of the Lord addicted to service after service. And that's the only time we're getting fed. It's the only time we're getting touched. It's the only time we're connecting with God. The first century church was not an event-driven body. It was the ecclesia of God. It was the body of Christ. It was the government of God in the earth. It's a church of the living God. I'm thankful. I wish we could gather together every day. I'm old-fashioned, and I know that. I still like having revival. I like having revival Sunday through Wednesday, Wednesday through Sunday. I like having revival, but I'm telling you right now that there's some people, the only time they tap into the reservoir of oil, is when they're seated in the house of God. We've got to get enough oil that our vessel can stay full. We are absolutely the most entertainment-driven church age that I've ever seen or known about in my life. We are addicted to certain feelings, certain ways, certain fashions, 
There's a reason why folks think their church is the best. is because their church does it the way that they're used to it being done. When, the, when you go to another church and the music's different and the preaching's different, it feels odd to you. It's because we get addicted to a certain way of doing things. There's a certain way that we like things. We like our seat. And if somebody gets in our seat, have a cussing match in the sanctuary. In my seat. Oh, Lord. It don't matter to some folks, but to other folks, you just hear me. It matters greatly. You'll get to stare down. I'm talking about that kind your mom could give you across the room and you knew she didn't have to say nothing. When you got home, you were getting a belt. And people give that in the house of God. Makes us uncomfortable. We get a certain way that we like things. And God forbid that service go 15 minutes past. I woke up many a nights as a kid under a church pew. Because church had gone so long that I fell asleep. And yes, I still had school the next day. Hey, I'm telling you, we've got excuses upon excuses as to why our lamps are getting dim. There is no excuse for the end time church to run out of oil at the coming of the Son of Man. Now, I'm going to reveal my heart to you right now. And if this upsets you, then... You know what I'm about to say? Just buy me a cheeseburger. Listen, I'm a, I'm a, I want to tell you, this may shock you. My number one goal in Anderson, Indiana, is not to pastor the largest church with the most hind ends in seats. I do not, I, 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 want, I want growth, we work for it, we're, we're striving for it, thank God for it, but I am not, I am not, I refuse to let my number one priority be the number that we write on a piece of paper for how many were here. And we're not going to compromise on oil just so that we can let more people in the door. You're going to have to have a desire to make it on your own at the coming of the Son of Man. You've got to know how to make it. If we never, if we never break the 500 barrier in this church on a consistent basis, so be it. But if there's 250, 300 folks that have learned how to keep their lamp trimmed and burning and oil in their vessel i'm looking for a generation that is ready at the coming of the lord we we are we are adrenaline junkies in pentecost we are addicted we are so addicted and i got to be careful how i say this i know people are watching but we are so addicted to certain things that we'll lie on God to make him look bigger and better. Look, 
If 300 people get the Holy Ghost in a crusade, I don't need to help God and tell the world that a thousand got it. If there's only 2,400 people at the crusade, I don't need to send in a mission report and say there were 6,500 there. We need an authentic outpouring of oil that will last. We need folks that have enough oil in their lamp that on Monday when there's nobody there to pray with them and there's no pastor there with them and they walk into work and it's a tough day, they got enough oil they can last. We need, and I, this is, I know this is cliche language, but I, you know where my heart is today. We need a move of God. We need an absolute move of God where people throw their silly little ideas out the window and they throw their agendas out the window. They don't care who sees them. They don't care what they think about them. They've been shut in with God. They don't come to church to be loud and obnoxious. They don't come to church to be rude. They've been with God and they're in the house of God for an outpouring of the Spirit of God. We've got to get so hungry that nothing else matters but a move of God. I had a pastor call me this morning. He called me this morning on my way to the office. And as pastors do, sometimes they share hearts and opinions. He said, brother, I'm so frustrated this morning. I said, what are you frustrated about? He said, because. He said, it seems like at this time of year, so many people forget God. woo That was just to the section back here where nobody's sitting. I'm driving down the road on the way to church and the Holy Spirit just dropped something on me. And immediately I was, I was taken in that conversation. I started talking to, to this pastor. I was taken to Jerusalem where there's a little 12-year-old boy who is the Lamb of God that was slain from the foundation of the world. He was the miracle carried in the womb of Mary, conceived of by the Spirit of the living God. And this woman... That carried that miracle for nine months. Gave birth to him. Raised him. Now, if, if you read any kind of historical understanding, it is believed that, our, uh, scripturally speaking, the first miracle of Jesus to start his ministry was the marriage supper of Cana. If you read anything that's extra biblical, there, there are a lot of historical accounts that believe Jesus did miracles all of his life. There are accounts, and whether they're true or not, I don't know. I don't have to prop God up. About Jesus raising animals from the dead. Little birds that he would find by the roadside. And he would breathe life into it and it would come to life. I don't know if he did it, but I can tell you he can. He can. And, and so I, I'm in this conversation with this pastor. And I ask this question. And so I'm going to ask it to you today. When you have been pregnant with promise. Give birth to that promise and raise him for 12 years. How consumed with life do you have to be? To get outside of Jerusalem by the, time you turn, by the time you turn around and realize we don't have Jesus. Can I, can I help somebody here today just a little bit maybe? What in the name of things almighty 
was Mary so consumed with that she got outside of the city before she realized we don't even have him with us. Oh, yeah, well, he was teaching in the temple. Yeah, yeah, he was. But his mother had to come looking for him because she did not even know where he was. And the Holy Ghost began to deal with me. And I was talking to this pastor. I wonder how consumed we are with the quote unquote things of God that we just leave him out. We're just doing our thing. And Jesus is off in the temple doing something else completely. And we're like, oh, we're just going about our way. And somebody finally says, hey, here, hand this to Jesus. And she turns around to hand it to Jesus. Here, Jesus. 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 Hey, Joe, have you seen Jesus? I haven't seen him. Last time I saw him, we were walking by the temple. I want to tell you something, church. If we're not careful in the end time, we're going to get so preoccupied with doing the work of the kingdom that we're going to leave the king out of it. We need a baptism of fire that puts Jesus right back in the middle of everything we're doing. I want to know everything I can about Jesus. I want to know what his life was like. I want to know what it looked like when he was being raised. Why does that matter? I want to read historical accounts about what things were like in the time of Jesus. Why? Because Jesus did not, he was not birthed during a season of peace. And the church was not born during a season of peace. These are people that had to learn how to fight with everything they had and stand for truth when it wasn't easy. And they had to keep oil in their lamp. Listen, somebody at some point in their life is going to have to come to an understanding that a true relationship with God is never going to be convenient. Woo! You can be seated. Don't be running on that now. It's so funny to me how quickly he takes a back seat in our world. And I, I'm, not, I'm not being mean. I understand. I'm just... I'm principal preaching to you right now. It's Christmas. It's New Year's. Busy time of the year. Where's he at in your priority list? I wonder where he is today for the folks that are watching. It started to come. But they said, I'll just have church in my jammies on Sunday. We've got so relaxed. Cheerios and Jesus. <laughs> Folks, you can say anything you want to say. But there is a world of difference between sitting in the house and watching the house. In the book of Acts, there's a phrase that's used one time in Scripture. One time. You can look it up for yourself. I'm in a hurry. You can look it up. If you don't trust me, look it up. The phrase used one time in your Bible, in the King James, and it is this phrase, a Sabbath day's journey. How far is that? Well, historical understanding tells us that a Sabbath day's journey was the distance that a man or a woman could build their home. It was the distance that they could travel during the Sabbath and not break the mitzvah. Not break the law. And so they had to have their world revolve around the journey of the Sabbath days, the space of the Sabbath day's journey. 
They built their home there. Their workplace was there. Everything they did was within the distance of a Sabbath day's journey. Now, the short of this, and I've preached this before in this church, but the short of this, and, and I don't have time to go deep, so just take the surface of this, was that everything they did in their life revolved around the distance between their house and the house of God. One time, do you see it in the Bible, a Sabbath day's journey. What does that mean? In basic English, here's what it means. Do not build your life so far away from the house of God that you can't get there anytime you need to get there. Somebody's going to have to realize in this day and time, we need each other. We need the church. We need the body. We need the spirit. We need a move of God. We need an outpouring. We need apostolic preaching. We need apostolic demonstration. We need a flow from the throne of God to the hearts of men. We need preachers to stop being consumed with consumerism and start getting consumed with a passion for the lost and a passion for the Word of God. Somebody shout it with me. There shall be light. There shall be light. What does that mean, Pastor? It means to me that if every church in America decides to walk away from the fundamentals of biblical truth. This one can't afford to do that. I can't speak to anybody else in anybody else's congregation. And unless it's a pastor that I speak into his life, I have no say-so in that church. And thank God, I've been blessed to speak into the lives of some pastors. But you hear me today when I tell you that what's happening in the rest of this world can absolutely not distract us from what's going on in my own world. And I'm not talking about selfishness. I'm talking about what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul brothers and sisters there's going to be light in the evening time because God is going to have a church I, I, I get so frustrated sometimes with how small people are and I don't mean in humility I mean in thinking the problem is they have no humility and, and, and their brains are small it's dinosaur syndrome read it go back Read it, it, seriously, it, it, it's, it's crazy syndrome. The, the larger dinosaurs had smaller brains. They ate the most and produced the least. It's Dead Sea Syndrome. Everything flows in, nothing flows out. Dinosaur Syndrome, it's Dead Sea Syndrome. And we're addicted to getting poured into if I don't like that teacher and I don't like that preacher, then I'll just say my peace about it. Your peace don't matter to God. There's going to be light in the evening time. There's going to be an apostolic church that's without spot or wrinkle that has kept herself ready for the coming of the bridegroom. God, let me be in that number. What's going to separate? If I could say it like this in a country boy way, what's going to separate the men from the boys in the end time? What's going to separate us? What's going to make the difference? You know, in ancient time, oil was not just used for cooking. That's what we like it for. Yesterday morning, I texted my, my dad or called my dad. 
He said, what are you guys doing? I said, man, I'm sitting here wishing I had biscuits and gravy. It's Christmas. I got a text about 10 minutes later, some cat head biscuits laying on a, on a pan. My mother made some homemade buttermilk biscuits. He said, the biscuits are going in the oven. I said, shibboleth. I'll be right there. Man, I walked in that house. I could smell them buttermilk biscuits cooking. I walked over to the, to the stove. My mother had some white milk gravy that she had used that healthy grease in. Anybody hungry yet? Oh, God. I could see them black pepper flakes in that gravy. I'm about to have revival right now. Thank God for the oil that keeps the meals prepared. But we need more than just good eating in the end time. Can, can, can I preach to some young man that has a desire to be in ministry someday? You need oil for more than just what you're cooking. Hey, I, I want to help some young preacher that's going to hear this video at some point. This says, I want to preach somewhere. I want a pulpit to preach in. Your oil has got to be used for more than just preparing a meal. You've got to have oil in your life. You've got to have it. You can't just study to preach. You've got to study to live. You've got to let the word of God get in you. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. We've got to get oil. It wasn't just used for cooking. Thank God for good cooking. If I could say it like this, I'm a connoisseur of good preaching. I like good preaching. I like getting preached too. Amen. I'm not a great preacher, but I don't want to preach nothing bad either. There's a man in this church who makes fun of me because I said one day, I want to preach bad this morning. He told me later on, he said, I leaned over to my wife and said, well, he's doing it. But I love Mike Miller anyway. Listen, I'm a connoisseur of good preaching. And I try to make myself, as long as Dr. Fauci says I can, go to every conference I can get to to get some preaching. I like preaching. I like getting my soul fed. But that is not my only source of communication with God. You just mark it down. It's going to be a struggle for some folks. When they, when they can't just walk into any conference they want to at any time. We went through a test run last year. It's going to be tough for some folks because the only oil they got is what's been prepared in the meal. But that oil, oh Lord, I wish I had time. It's Sunday morning. Y'all ain't done nothing but lay around for Christmas anyhow. Let's have church. I know better than that. Some folks drove to get here from Arkansas, Brother Christian. Y'all get the button today for the longest drive to Sunday morning church. There's got to be more to this thing than just what I'm getting fed. These women, I can't preach it. I, can't, I, I really can't preach it any better than the Bible just says it. 
10 of them came with what they thought were sufficient amounts of oil. But the five of them that were foolish only had enough oil for what they were facing presently. See, see, I, I'm trying to break this down as, as low as I, I need somebody to get this in your spirit. We've got to get a little oil for tomorrow. I, I said, you got to get a little oil for tomorrow. Pastor, I can make it through the night. You, you might be able to make it through the night, but can you make it through tomorrow? Some of us are counting on a little more daylight than I think we got left. This time of year messes with my brain. 5.30 rolls around and it's dark by 6 o'clock. I'm putting on pajamas. My wife's like, honey, you got two more counseling sessions at the church tonight. Kate's texts me, Pastor, you got a meeting in 30 minutes. I'm like, dear God, I just put my house shoes on. It's dark. It gets dark early. Stay, if, you, if you go to bed at 11 o'clock, you've already had a good five hours of dark. Get up at 6.30 or 7, you got another three hours of dark. Some of these kids sleep till afternoon. I'm like, dude, y'all going to have four hours of daylight. All, like, that's it. That's all you're getting. I'm afraid there's some folks that are expecting the coming of the Son of Man to come before the sun sets. Mm. What are you saying, Pastor? Okay, I'll break it down for you. There's too many folks saying we got enough time left. I'm afraid we don't have as much time as some think we do. I don't know how you feel about it this morning, but every now and then when I get in prayer just right, I can almost hear the orchestra of heaven beginning to warm up and get ready for that great celebration day when the Son of Man shall descend from heaven with a shout. I don't know what it's going to sound like when Gabriel puts that horn to his mouth, but I got a feeling it's going to shake the earth and the graves are coming open and the dead in Christ are going to rise. But there's a second part to that story. The dead in Christ are going to rise and then we which are alive. And remain shall be called up together. But if you don't have enough oil, you're not going to make it. The world is not impressed by our Pentecostal colloquialisms. They're, they're, they're not impressed with our modus operandi. You'd be hard-pressed to find anywhere in the scripture or historical account the way that we do church exactly. I'm being honest. It'd be really hard. The, 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 I mean, first century, the closest thing we had was gathering in the synagogue. and They would sing for a while, and then they would teach the word. And depending on the day, then they would leave rejoicing with music. It's pretty close. But they did take up offerings, too. So I'd throw that in there. And Jesus sat up there by the offering box and watched the woman put all she had in the offering plate. He did. That's a scary thing when you realize how close Jesus sits to the offering pan, isn't it? Everybody's worried about old Saint Nick. He knows when you've been sleeping, knows when you're awake. He knows when you've been given. He does. 
COVID hit, and I told my, I told my wife, my mom, my mom was going over the books, church books. Her brother McLean just amazing, and you know everybody was worried about shutting down. So no, giving's up a little bit during COVID. I said, I'm gonna tell you what happened. Everybody got scared. <laughs> they did. Say, God, I ain't paid my tithe in so long. If this is the coming of the Lord. I've heard people preach at Malachi 3, you're robbing God, but I just want to be sure I'm not a thief and a robber here, you know. Woo! Got a pandemic. I believe I'll, I believe I'll give a little bit. It's funny. The way we think about preparedness in this time. There was a man. God bless his heart. And his family backslid. Left the church. And I don't know, Brother Sean, probably... Five or six years after they backslid, he'd show up on Sunday, drop his tithe off in the in the lobby to one of the ushers, and drive off. Never shut the car off. He'd pull up, park his car, leave it running, step out, hand it to an usher, and drive off. Hey, 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 cuz, let look, let me, let me help you with that. I believe me, I thank God for tithe payers, but that's not how I get oil. That's false doctrine. It's prosperity doctrine to believe that you can buy your way into the kingdom. You don't, you don't buy your way into the kingdom. You're faithful if you give, but you're not going to buy your way into salvation. you got to have enough oil in your lamp that when the night stays dark longer than you thought it would, if the Lord comes in the dark time, you got to be ready. God, I'd hate to think that I taught my kids to be faithful in their giving but not faithful to the house of God. Come on now. Well, whoo! I believe if you look at scriptural understanding, you realize that the coming of the Lord is not going to be during the brightness of the day. Read it. Everywhere he talks about it from an eschatological view. He says like a thief comes in the Y'all are great preachers. See, the issue was not having oil in the daytime. The issue was running out of oil in the darkness. And we're cursing the darkness. We're over here cursing how dark it is. Oh, God, what are we going to do? I'll tell you what you better do. You better be sure you got enough oil because it ain't getting light anytime soon. The brightest light that's going to shine in the end time is not man's government. The brightest light that's going to shine in the end time. Oh, God, I want to preach right now. It's going to be the church of the living God that is full of the Holy Ghost. And we're letting our light so shine before men. You've got to get oil because there's going to be light in the evening time. Let me hurry. I'm, 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 I'm finishing. I'm hurrying. I'm in a big hurry right now. Fast forward. Everybody say, slow down, Pastor. Oh, thank you. Thank you for that. Thank you. Now I feel better. I can get to this last hour and a half. Five virgins were considered to be foolish because they did not have enough oil. Not for cooking, but for light. Light. Somebody shout light. We need the light. 
In 2 Peter chapter 1, and I'm going to work through, through this just a little bit. I'm, I'm, I'm slowing down intentionally because i got to get somewhere with this. 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 12. The apostle said, Wherefore, I will not be negligent to put you always in remembrance of these things. Watch this. Pastor, why do you preach the same things over and over? He said, I'm not going to neglect to preach this. Even though you know them, you are established in the present truth. Yea, I think it meet that as long as I'm in this tabernacle, and this is a commitment I've made to this church through the years, as long as I'm in this tabernacle, this old body's working, I'm going to stir you up by putting you in remembrance, knowing that shortly, how short? I don't know, but shortly. I'm going to put off this tabernacle, even as the Lord has showed me, he said. Moreover, I will endeavor that you may be able after my decease. What are we going to do if old Peter dies? He's going to tell you again and again and again that you might remember. Let me tell you that first and second Peter are more than likely... The very last words that the Apostle Peter spoke, written somewhere in the neighborhood of 65 A.D. Now, don't be snoring in Greek and dreaming in Hebrew on me right here. I'm going to get something to you. This was in the time of the Essenes, which was the people out in Qumran in the wilderness where they found the Dead Sea Scrolls. The Essenes, for the, for the best part that we can tell, the Essenes are who preserved this for us to be able to find the Dead Sea Scrolls for us to have what we have now. They discovered that. Uh, it's just unbelievable the way God worked all that. But... Peter was living in the time of the Essenes. And historical tradition, if you read anywhere, it's pretty widely held that Peter was probably crucified upside down on a cross somewhere in the neighborhood of 67 A.D. or so. Which means that if 1st and 2nd Peter were written in 65 or 66 and he was crucified in 67, that means that this is more than likely the last recorded words of the apostle. And this is what I find very interesting. Peter's last words to the church. He knows that his death is soon approaching. He said, I'm getting ready to put off this tabernacle. I know it's coming. But it's apparent that whatever he had said in this writing, he had said it before. Because he said, I'm coming back to tell you again. I'm coming back to remind you again. These are words that the scripture said he reminded his recipients constantly. Now I'm fixing to preach something to you right here. If you don't hear anything else for the rest of this morning, I want you to hear this. Peter did not use his last few days of health to preach something new. Let me rewind that. He did not save his last few days on earth to preach something new. God's not going to give the end time church a new revelation. If we go out of here, it ain't going to be on synthetic oil. Yeah, I, I could preach that for a little while. We're going to have to have the authentic and the real oil if we're going to make it at the coming of the Lord. Verse 16. For we have not followed cunningly devised fables. He said, I ain't following no fake fable. 
When we made known to you the power and the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Watch it. I love this. Man, I wish I had a month to preach this. But we were eyewitnesses. He said, what I'm preaching to you is what I've seen. I'm not here to tell you about some cunning fable that's been devised by the hands of men. I'm here to tell you about what I've seen him do. You know what we need? We need some folks that are dripping with oil that can tell you. Let me tell you what Jesus did in my life. Let me tell you how he turned me around. Let me tell you how he picked me up. He received from God the Father honor and glory. When there came such a voice to him from the excellent glory. This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. And this voice which came from heaven we heard. We heard. When we were with him. In the holy mount. He said I'm not telling you what somebody else saw. This is an eyewitness testimony. So understand me when I tell you. We don't know for sure that Peter was in the scene. Or that he fully. Uh, fully. Believed and taught everything the Essenes taught. But this is what we do know about Peter. He wanted everybody to know the truth. It's so funny because people look at historical accounts. And again, I'll have time. You get into to, uh, denominational uh, Bible colleges and things like that. And they, they, they look at this historical group and they say it's very, very interesting. It's very interesting that after uh, the resurrection, the ascension of Christ, that the Essenes just kind of dissolved. No, they didn't. The Essenes did not disappear as a people. They didn't disappear as a people, as a sect. The Essenes became believers and were baptized in the name of Jesus for the remission of their sins because they were expecting the coming of a Messiah. Their name changed, but they just became a part of the body. And Peter was preaching to some of these people saying, Hey, this isn't about a fable. This is what we've seen with our own eyes. We are eyewitness testimonies. Now watch, verse 19. Where where, where are you going, Pastor? Let me get there. We have also a more sure word of prophecy. Oh, folks, I hope you get this in your spirit right now. Whereunto you do well that you take heed. Watch this language. As unto a light that shines in a dark place. Until when? Until the day dawn and the day star arise in your hearts. Knowing this first. That no prophecy of the scriptures of any private interpretation. For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man. But holy men of God spake. And here it comes. As they were moved on by the. mm. Are you hearing what I'm telling you right now? He said what the end time church is going to need. Is a spirit of prophecy that rests on the church to discern what's going on. He said it will be prophecy that shines like light into the darkness. He said we need some prophets and we need some seers. We need a prophetic word that the people of God are not fumbling around in the darkness. Hey, listen, I'm going to just say this and leave it out there. If you believe everything you've seen and everything you've heard on the news, you're a nut job. It's time to forget what this world is saying. I'm telling you, Jesus is still in authority. Jesus is still in power. I told my family the other day with all these coop jobs running around, it's going to be a miracle if I don't make the news. But I'm just going to throw this out there and tell you, my hope is not in a syringe. My hope is not in a shot. My hope, it's not going to happen. My hope is in Jesus. 
I hope the world recognizes what's going on right now. I don't plan on jumping on no freight train and lining up to go to some camp somewhere. What are you saying, Pastor? There's going to be light in the evening time. I'm, I'm, I'm tired of this message that the world sending hopes coming from somewhere else. Because the problem is the hope they're buying into. They're getting as sick as people that don't have the hope. If it makes you mad, I'm glad. We'll have a private meeting. I'm going to tell you right now, I'm tired of the devil lying to people. Somebody's going to have to stand up. You know what? If we quit preaching it, our entire congregation are going to walk right to the beast and say, put the mark on me. That'll be all right. I'm telling you, there's going to be light. There's going to be light. There's going to be light. And somebody's going to have discernment. And somebody's going to have a prophetic gift on them. Somebody's going to have a spirit of discernment to say, this is not of God. This is not of God. I'm not going to listen to the spirit of the Antichrist. This is not of God. I'm saying if you need medical help, go get help. But don't you dare buy in that that's your hope. If you need it, go get it. But that's not my hope. There's going to be light. And somebody's going to have to get bold enough to stand up and declare it. I'm watching this stuff unfold. And no, I'm not cursing the darkness. I'm telling you, you better get your light turned on now. I'm watching, I'm watching this, this case going on. If you don't like it, that's all right. Everybody trying to put it under this Maxwell lady. Put it in a federal court. Trying to make all this pedophilia go away. Uh, they don't have proof of that. They got absolute proof of it. It's just exactly what the Old Testament did with Baal. And we're seeing it in the earth. They're trying to make it go away. No, they're going to prosecute that. You know who the prosecutor's daughter is? James Comey. That was the head of the FBI. His daughter happens to be the prosecutor of that case. What's that tell you? It's all lined up. We don't have any say-so in it. Go ahead and vote if you want to vote. But I'm just telling you, you ain't going to control nothing. The light in the evening time does not come in the November of voting years. It comes in the prayer closet of a Holy Ghost filled person that says, Lord, no matter who's in office or no matter what comes, I'm going to be baptized with the Holy Ghost and filled with your spirit. Come on. It's so funny to me that everybody that said, Dave, everybody talking about conspiracy. It's amazing. Three months later, it ain't a conspiracy. Preach the word, Pastor. It's in your Bible too. Read it. David's son did it. It's it, that exact words in your Bible. It was a conspiracy to overthrow the God called power in the nation of Israel. And his own son defiled the kingdom and led the conspiracy. Read it. Look it up. Google in your little or read your little phone there and type in conspiracy. You won't find it. The enemy has tried since day one to overthrow God's government in the earth. 
But God's government and man's government can never get crossed up. This is not a democratic kingdom. This is a kingdom with one king. And he's seated on the throne. And his hand is lifted up. And his train fills the temple. I'm not going to get distracted by the gods of this world. I'm going to get my lamp filled with oil. And I'm going to keep my vessel full. Well, this world needs a savior. We need a savior and we got one, folks. He's high lifted up. He said, if I be lifted up. Woo! We got to get our eyes on the right thing in 2022. He's high. Not low. I'm tired of being depressed. Because of all the unbelief and the lying and the conniving and the. You only got so much emotional energy. Take that time and get some oil in your lamp. Well, well what do you, you think is going to happen, Pastor? You think, you think the United States is going to play a part in the end time revelation? You think the Eagles, United States, look, I love revelation as much as the next guy. I've preached about seven heads, ten horns, one with a wounded head. I've preached about the, the, the lions. I've preached about uh, uh, the, the leopard and the, the the, 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 uh, what am I trying to say? The blended body. I preach. I, I love it. I've gone back to Daniel. I love preaching. But I'm going to tell you something. Revelation is not about the, ten, uh, the seven-headed beast with ten horns. It is the revelation of Jesus Christ. And John, who was in the spirit on the Lord's day, got distracted when Babylon came riding up on a horse. And the angel of the Lord said, why are you distracted and astonished by this woman on this horse? Listen to what I'm telling you, John. you got to keep light, son. You're almost to the end of your journey. Keep your head up and keep looking to the heavens. Don't look at every horse that rides by. Let's stand. It's amazing to me how upset it and frustrated people get when you start talking about their political views. But it does nothing when you tell them how many people have died and gone to hell in the last 48 hours. Come on, somebody get light. What am I going to do, Pat? I'm going to tell, I'm, I'm tell all my family I'm not getting together for Christmas. It's all right. But there's going to be light in the evening time. And God's going to help us. If we got our lamps filled with oil. And we got vessels that are filled with oil. The Bible said that when he opens up the door. They came in. But when they went to the store to buy oil and it was too late. The Bible said he closed the door. Let us in. He said, I can't let you in. I've already closed the door. You know what I believe? I believe that just at the coming of the Son of the Lord, the, the Son of God, the Son of Man, I believe at the coming of the Lord, doors are going to be knocking in churches all around this country. I believe that. I believe they're going to beat the doors down the next Sunday at apostolic churches. 
Holy Ghost filled churches. I believe that, Brother Snow. I believe there will be people after the trumpet sounds beating the doors down at churches all across America. But the Lord already said, as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be at the coming of the Son of Man. Noah, let us in. I didn't close the door. And I can't open the door. Hey, I'm telling you right now, as a preacher, I wish I could. But I can't close the door and I can't open the door. If you don't have enough oil to let your light shine in this dark hour, the door's going to close and you're going to miss it. We need God to help us. Can I just be real with you at this altar call right now? Can I be real? we got to have more happen in our altar calls than just stepping forward and standing there and staring at the ceiling. we got to get some, we got to get some light in us. We, 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 I, I want to tell you, there are people in this room today that you've allowed the darkness to separate you from your families. It is your opinion of what's going on right now that separated you. Matter of fact, there's folks in here today that it upsets you when people mention it from the pulpit. And it separated you from people in your life. That means you're running low on oil. You got to get enough oil in your lamp that the darker it gets, it just don't matter, Brother Joe. It don't matter how dark it gets when you got light. And we're going to stand. God, I feel the Holy Ghost. We're going to stand. And when the trumpet sounds, the dead in Christ are going to rise. And the ones that have oil in their lamp, they're going to be caught up to meet him in the air. I feel this morning. That's stirring in my heart. I'm going to preach to you as straight as I've preached to you in, in the last two years about what's going on in the earth. Some of you have been so mad and upset and angry with certain people's perspectives and views on things. You need to take that anger to the oil shop. Just this week it went to court and in Madison County it passed. That one of the most conservative has been school districts in this area. They can now have a wide open LGBTQRSTUVWXYZ club. That our children are going to school. And that's what they're being fed. Does that anger you, Pastor? It does. But I take that to the oil shop. And I say, Lord, I know it's dark. But whatever happens, do not let me run out of oil. Don't, don't let me run out of oil. Pastor, my, 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 my family, they, they don't like it. Hey, listen. I'm not saying this is being sensitive, but this is your Bible. The other five came to the ones that had enough oil and said, Hey, could you share with us? Here's the principle you got to get. There's no oil sharing in the end time. Anybody disagree with that? You got to have enough oil in your own lamp and your own vessel. Amen. Oh, I fear you, Jesus. What if my wife don't want it? What if my husband don't want it? What if my kids don't want it? What? What if, what if, there's a 10 gazillion reasons of somebody that may not want it, but you got to get all this morning. There's going to be light.
going to be light. Somebody reach out and touch the Lord right now. Somebody reach out and touch the Lord right now. Oh. Give me all in my lamp, Lord. Keep me burning. Give me all in my lamp and keep me burning for you, Lord. 